Hi, everybody, and thanks for coming to our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, and along with our chief strategist, Shelly Cohan, who, by the way, is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University, uh, we welcome you to our conversation on the topic of, get ready for this, historic destruction of retail in one decade. You know, Shelly, there's really an amazing story here because I kind of woke up in the middle of the night and thought about this. You know, just, just a little over a decade ago, we had the Great Recession, which people have now gotten to the point where they can't even remember it. That's right. Uh, and that was the beginning of the destruction of retail as we know it. And that's what we're going to be talking about. I mean, it's amazing what has happened in this last decade. So in the fall of 2009, um, there was an urgent meeting uh, at FIT, by the way, in the fall of 2009. It was an urgent gathering of many of the major CEOs in the, in the retail industry to discuss the horrific crisis of, you know, the financial and economic collapse um, at the beginning of the Great Recession. And they were, it was incredible. I mean, there were about, I don't know, maybe 70 or 80 guys there and women. And they, they were hoping for any help they could get. That was the disaster of this thing. Um, you know, calling it, 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 they called it CEO roundtable. I said, that was way too bland. I mean, it should have been labeled the CEO crisis summit. Anyway, I have to give credit to the, the idea came uh, for this meeting uh, was created by Gilbert Harrison, which a lot of people in our audience know. He was founder and CEO of Financo. And, um, by the way, this summit gathering would continue uh, twice a year over the next decade. Um, I participated by opening all of these meetings uh, with a brief state of the industry, you know, to kind of establish context for the discussion so it didn't go off in all different directions. And Eric Hertz, uh, who is founder and CEO of the Center of Retail Real Estate, uh, Eric helped to facilitate uh, the conversation. So the context for that 2009 roundtable or summit was that the financial collapse really almost brought the economy down and out. And of course, retailers occupied the horrific front lines, so to speak, you know, as consumers closed their wallets. It was a horrific moment in time. And if that fall of 2009 wasn't enough of a tsunami. Um, the, the industry didn't even see at that point uh, kind of tsunami 2.0 or the full-on effect of the internet. Uh, of course, led by the disruptor and destroyer-in-chief, Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Um, they were just beginning to understand the, the, the threat and the power of that. So Shelley, um, I'd be interested to know where, where were you when all of this uh, began and all this stuff was going on? And did you or your colleagues at the time 
feel that the weight of both the Great Recession and all of a sudden the industry waking up to the fact that Amazon and all, all the other pure internet players were going to be a real threat. What were you doing? Where were you? <laughs> Well, it was certainly an interesting time for sure. I was doing some consulting work and I was fortunate enough as one of my projects at the time was I started uh, working with a new technology company uh, called Retail Next, which oh, yeah. was uh, yeah. well known in the industry. But back then it was really the pioneer in the space of what we call in-store analytics. So technology in the physical space was certainly nearly non-existent with the exception of POS and CRM related software. So in that decade, the internet and folks like Amazon were able to glean all kinds of data from online purchasing and browsing metrics. But in the stores, the technology at that time was not widely available. So I actually had the opportunity to be part of the first major in-store analytics software offered to brick and mortar retailers. What is really interesting, though, about my consulting work is that it really centered around helping retailers understand and unlock the value of analytics. So I spent the next decade of my career working with enabling technologies in the retail space. And also at that time, we experienced in the industry kind of the start of the decline of the department stores, the rise of niche retailers like Warby Parker, Rent the One Run, Rent the Runway, Bonobos, Untuck It, Allbirds, and the pivot by Amazon to transform from a digital content company to a platform and marketplace showcasing a wide breadth of product assortment and a leader in cloud computing. So online began its sharp trajectory nearly doubling its percent of total retail sales in that decade. Online sales in 2010 were around 340 billion compared to this year, which will probably break 1 trillion. Unbelievable. So all this leads to this great shift to online, department stores morphing into specialty stores and the rise of the titans like Walmart, Target and Amazon. You know, Shelly, it's very interesting. You were right on the leading edge of this stuff. And, and particularly technology as it was becoming obviously more important. I do remember retail next. Anyway, we're, we're glad to have you with us with all of that knowledge, actually. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, my tsunami metaphor. Uh, <laughs> what was to be next was tsunami 3.0 or COVID-19. At the time, it was lurking in the darkness, so to speak, totally unseen and unimaginable. Nobody even knew it was going to be coming. So as the 2009 economy began to, oh, really kind of lurch back, obviously with the help of the huge government stimulus, but GDP growth, nevertheless, was tepid at around 1.5 to 2%. And that would continue pretty much through the decade. And, and economists say that uh, the Great Recession is the longest road to recovery of any recession or depressions of, of, of the past. So the retail industry, uh, which had been, I've said this, overstored for half a century, even before the economic crisis, the retail industry was struggling for growth in a slow-growing economy. 
Yeah, Robin. And uh, also, this was while Amazon was growing 20 to 30% a year. Yeah, unbelievable. These thousands of new internet players. And of course, the combined growth of Amazon and these other newbies were stealing enormous growth out of the hides of the legacy industry. One of the yep. things we were certainly seeing at Retail Next. Yeah. So anyway, during those years, from the beginning of the Great Recession, uh, leading up to the invisible 2020, you know, business was tough enough. And then Tsunami 3.0 and COVID and pandemic, which, by the way, was an incredible, invisible power that really stopped the entire globe, global economy in its tracks. Incredible. Yeah. The re, the, you know, the result of this, along with the dynamics and power of the internet, has changed the industry forever. Okay. First of all, the combination of the internet and a new young generation of consumers and the pandemic literally wiped out hundreds of weekly performing malls and thousands and thousands of physical retail stores, many who had hugely deadly debt levels and who had not pivoted quickly enough following the financial crisis to invest in technology and building a seamlessly integrated online and physical, as they call it, omni-channel. Those retailers who did invest in transforming the models survived the economic fallout of the pandemic, and I predict that they will thrive. However, and here is what we have given a lot of thought to, the, there's going to be five, I guess, call, you can call them strategic requirements for success going forward. First of all, omni-channel, uh, which means not just physical retailers building online channels, but Amazon and the other online players must build out a physical channel. And they're, they're doing, getting to that more and more and more rapidly. Number two for success, agility in capital letters. And that's got to be across all functions of the business. Three, convenience and speed must be built into both. Four, <laughs> experiences. I'm sick of hearing myself say that, particularly for the next gen consumers who need a big compelling reason to spend the time going to and then shopping through um, big buildings or malls. They do not need them and they do not want them. And lastly, Shelley, is this all this stuff about sustainability, equality, diversity, inclusion, community involvement, and other social and humane issues. All of these have got to be embedded in the models for any kind of success. So, Robin, why these particular <clears throat> five? <laughs> Good question, Shelley. <laughs> First of all, uh, to repeat, the, the old world of retail, as we knew it, was wiped out. Many of them literally, as I said, and the survivors, old models, were not wiped out, but they were totally transformed. And then why are these five strategies a necessary for success? Well, the short answer is that while the Great Recession 
and its slow and really sluggish recovery, along with Amazon and the internet player, players stealing chunks of business out of the old world, and then being literally kneecapped by the pandemic. Uh, essentially, these three killers, if you want to call them that, uh, were beating up on the legacy brick and mortar guys on one side, and then on the other, consumers, including the strongest new cohort of next gens, armed with technology, and by the way, uh, a whole new set of values, and the biggest technology disruptor, of course, I uh, call it the disruptor-in-chief of the smartphone. Essentially, these consumers armed with uh, the disruptor-in-chief, the smartphones, and coming in with a whole new set of values, essentially, were beating up on the old world retailing on the other side with their new demands because they could and still are. So <clears throat> this is kind of the why of these five strategies, Shelley. Um, but I'd like you to give us your take. Let's, let's take the first one, the necessity for operating in all channels and the bigger challenge for the internet players to build out stores in the physical world, you know, like Amazon. Well, Robin, it's not operating in all channels, but integrating with them. Actually, you know, it even goes beyond the scope of quote unquote channels, which by the way, not one customer understands that jargon. You're correct. Yeah, exactly. The industry is really moving towards this collaborative platform of which contains selling channels, selling channels, marketplaces, commission models, and we've talked about the premise of this in our podcast, Wholesale Retail Model is Dead Man Walking. Yeah, Shelly, I want to jump in here. Thank you for making that distinction about collaborative platforms. You know, it's not a sexy term, but it really says more about what's going on than if we talk about omnichannel. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and it's really about this shared ecosystem, which allows for this high collaboration, which results in more innovation and actually better customer experience. However, for niche pure play retailers, the barrier to entry is high. Building a brick and mortar presence in the US market is challenging for many reasons. Competition, saturation, logistics complexities and so forth. And Shelly, let me jump. Yes, also huge capital investment and time investments in building this out. Absolutely. Anyway, I wanted to add that. It, it's definitely far easier for <clears throat> legacy retailers with a mass physical store presence to add online concessions and marketplaces. You know, for example, Kohl's partnership with Sephora or Amazon are examples of this kind of new platform structure. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad we covered that. <clears throat> um, that is going to be a very important requirement, this collaborative sharing on these platforms, quote unquote. Anyway, the, the second requirement for success is agility and, and, and indeed in all caps and agile in every function of the business. Why? Well, just as we live through a decade that seemed like one day, of unknowns, both technologically and economically, and changing consumer behaviors, 
going forward, Shelley, those dynamics of change are going to happen even more rapidly and they're going to happen more often, right? Forcing retailers to change more rapidly and more often. Absolutely. I mean, the last year alone has moved the retail industry forward 10 years. The advancement of enabling technologies, the agility required uh, to keep up with the marketplace is traveling at the speed of light. Those retailers that have the infrastructure, like you said, Robin, in place before March of 2020 were nimbler and were able to shift alongside with the customers. Absolutely. Um, three, uh, number three, convenience and speed. Amazon, of course, redefined both of those words. Uh, quote, unquote, the last mile, two-hour delivery, I don't know, one-hour delivery, whatever. And, and these are now do-or-die necessities for the entire retail industry. Yeah, I mean, and the change really comes from a significant consumer shift in shopping behavior, but it's really led by cutting-edge technology and an extremely efficient process distribution you know, Amazon pushed forward really other retailers to match some of these initiatives. Just walk out technology, for example, was tested and rolled out in Amazon, but now it's available for other others in the industry, even competitors. Yeah. And Shelly, I'd just like to add, Amazon may have led the industry, but once consumers <laughs> decided convenience and speed was wonderful, they began to demand it. Okay. So the entire retail industry, including brick and mortar guys, invented all kinds of things that I believe are going to stick. I mean, this whole notion of buy online, pick up in store, BOPUS, or buy online, pick up in parking lots, uh, <laughs> buy in store and have it delivered. And, you know, or get a third party like Shipped, which Target now owns. You give them your list, your shopping list. And they shop for you and then bring it to your home. Unbelievable. Right. Or, or buy online and pick up in the grocery store when you do your shopping. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's incredible. So number four, Shelly, I am tired of repeating number four, experiences or other compelling reasons for consumers to spend the time, particularly young people, to spend their time going to and then shopping through big malls and retail stores full of stuff. Simply, they do not have, they do not have to, nor do they want to. It's incredible. Some of them are making those changes, but your thoughts on that. Yeah, I want to take a minute on this one. So, Robin, if they weren't listening then, they need to definitely <clears throat> listen now. One of the major consumer buying shifts as a result of the pandemic is shoppertainment. This live streaming with an audience of shoppers to get them highly engaged and spur purchasing. So these live streaming events across social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, are creating a high expectation for the physical world. So these major global econ retailers are really betting on the continued success of this model and they're adding events to websites and mobile apps. Yeah. So as more stores open up and the shoppers uh, start shopping in the stores, they will bore very quickly of retail environments that lack innovation 
and technological advancements that improve their shopper journey and make the experience engaging. And guess what? <laughs> These retailers don't provide it, but they walk out the front door, go yeah. across the street to some other retailer that does provide it, or find a key tap away online. Anyway, or, go ahead. Or they just yeah. don't come back. Yep. So, and also um, the money value of time becomes a high consideration in the new normal. Customers have been locked down, they've been isolated, and the divisions of time have blurred or morphed one into the other, work time into personal <clears throat> time, days into weeks, weeks into months, and of course, so social deprivation. So when stores open up and going into summer and fall, there needs to be relevant experiences to keep the attention of these socially starved customers. Yeah. And, you know, I might add, um, going back to the platform concept, that that is another idea that provides a totally different, new, fresh experience for consumers. I mean, Pete Nordstrom said to me that, you know, it used to be in the old world that you as a retailer, Nordstrom as a retailer, um, would, would not provide any information to anybody, least of all competitors. And they would never think of sharing their retail stores with other retailers like Topshop or Brooks Brothers or so forth. Uh, they just wouldn't do it. They do that today because as Pete Nordstrom says, if our loyal customer loves us and they come to us and they do, then why shouldn't we have other brands that we know they like and it will just make them happier and it will be a better experience. Anyway, I thought I'd add that. And the fifth success requirement, this whole string of things, sustainability, equality, diversity, inclusion, community involvement, and other social and humane issues, they must be embedded in the models for success. All the talking, the talk on these issues, <clears throat> but never until now, really needing to walk the walk. Or consumers will simply, you know, write your brand down on a piece of paper, draw a line through it, and they're gone forever. These are demanded today, and they, they're going to stick. What do you think? Well, Robin, not only are consumers going to check off the brand, but employees will do the same. You Correct. Know, retail, yeah, retailers trying to become employer of choice will need to demonstrate <clears throat> specific actions that show the workforce how the company's dealing with these major issues. Like you mentioned, sustainability, quality, DEI, and really truly adapting a stakeholder approach to the business. That's yeah, stakeholder versus just the stockholder. Right. That's an, another big shift in commerce. So, you know, that's the decade in their rearview mirror, right? And really not a pretty one for so many, but it was also a crisis decade that some did not let go to waste. Target, Walmart, Best Buy, Nordstrom, Macy's, even though they're struggling in Bloomingdale's and others who did make necessary investments in technology and the fundamental transformation of their old business models into new and implementing those five strategies. So what does the next decade hold? <clears throat> we think 
those five strategies are a big part of it. And by the way, all of the ancillary tactics that go with it. But one thing is sure, for sure, Shelley, there will be exponentially more change and it will be exponentially more rapid. You're exactly right, Robin. I want to thank our listeners. You can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. And please follow us on social media. Link in with us and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I, and I want to thank all of you again for attending. And as Shelly said, go to therobinreport.com and you can, you know, find hundreds, if not thousands, of strategic reports that are that are very important. And uh, as I've said before, I would like to hear from anybody in our audience who has a topic that they would like to hear us cover. And if you do, please send an email to robin at therobinreport.com and we'll put it on an agenda. Thanks again very much.